Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Jeremy Kalmanowski here, studying with you, Tractate Shkalim, page 18. And today we're going to study a very important Talmudic principle, and also it's well-known, uh, the well-known cultural applications of the name of this principle. In our Mishnah, on the page, it relates that there were 13 uh, uh, receptacles for cash contributions in the Beit HaMikdash for different, different sorts of uh, uh, gifts. Sometimes it would be your annual shekel that you had to pay for the for the temple. Sometimes it would be for a specific sacrifice. It seems that when somebody owed a particular sacrifice, such as in a case where they where they had to become purified after a given you know ritual condition, such as giving birth or some sort of uh, genital emission, you know, the Torah is very interested in those. Uh, they might not bring the animal itself. They might bring cash, place it in the receptacle. And the Kohanim would then go purchase the sacrifice and offer the sacrifice, and the person's ritual el- uh, uh, contribution was fulfilled through the through the money and not the sacrifice itself. So the Mishnah records the various kinds that there would be, uh, including a receptacle or two receptacles for uh, bird bird sacrifices. And you may remember that. Somebody who had given birth, as I, as I mentioned, or a zav, a male, or a zava, a female, with certain kind of, uh, of unusual emissions, uh, would have to offer those, offer those birds. Well, uh, Rabbi Yehuda is quoted here in our Gemara as saying that there was not a cash receptacle for kine chova, uh, obligatory birds, bird sacrifices, only voluntary ones. The main position does not follow him, but in his view, there was no receptacle for kine chova. How come? Well, because he was concerned that uh, if somebody, let's call her Sarah, uh, came to Jerusalem to offer the bird sacrifice, she would put the money in the receptacle. But then, uh, what if she subsequently died in in between the time that she put the money in? And the time that the sacrifice was was to be offered, the problem with that is that the money in Rabbi Yehuda's mind was specifically connected to this particular individual. It was not fungible, as as we say nowadays. Money was not fungible. It was her specific donation. I'll, I'll read to you now the Gemara uh, on the bottom of 18a, and then continuing on to 18b. Tanya, it's taught in the Brayta. Amar Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says. There was no uh, receptacle, tzedakah receptacle, for the birds in Jerusalem, meaning in the temple, because of the possibility of mixing, as I described, shema tamut, achat, because one person, he could be a male, but he uses the, the female gender in that sentence, shema tamut, achat, maybe one woman will die, venim tzeu, demei chatot meitot, and then the money for the uh, chatat sacrifice 
would be for uh, dead people that the money for the sacrifice of the of the dead would be mixed up with the with the overall funds. The Gemara challenges this and says, what are you talking about? Don't you know this other text? Ha'isha she'avra hare alai ken the woman who says, I am obliged to bring bird sacrifice, she brings the money for the sacrifice, the notnatova shofar, and she places it in the, um, places it in the cash in the receptacle. And that night, after the, after the requisite amount of time has passed, ochelet bakodshim, she, she is now considered ritually pure, and she can eat the sanctified sanctified uh, food and she need not worry that maybe the Kohanim didn't in fact perform my particular sacrifice no once you once you have done it once you put the money in you can rely that it would that the sacrifice was done and the key phrase for our purpose for the point of that the Gemara is making now is and the Kohen need not worry that perhaps she died in the intervening period. In other words, once, once you put the money in, you can rely on the fact that the person is, is still alive. So what's Rabbi Yehuda's problem? Doesn't he know that, doesn't he know that text? Then Rabbi Yehuda's side comes along and says, well, no, no, we're talking about a case where we know that, that somebody has died. We know that there has been a death. Uh, and the Gemara now re- replies again with a strategy for what we should do in such a case when you know that, that one of the, let's say, 50 people, you don't know exactly which person, you don't know exactly which money, but you know that one of the 50 people who has, who has put cash money in, the, in this particular receptacle has died, the Gemara proposes that what you should do is nivror you should take for the, you take the equivalent cash for one of the people, whoever it is, one of the people, uh, you can you can get rid of four zuzim, that is to say, one of the person's sacrifices, and then the remaining will be considered will be considered now kosher. So we'll symbolically remove one person. You know, the one person died. We'll symbolically re- re- remove one person's contribution, and we'll consider the rest kosher. Why doesn't Rabbi Yehuda accept that? Uh, Rabbi Yehuda lately brera. Rabbi Yehuda does not believe in the concept of Brera. Now, here's our, here's our well-known, here's our well-known Talmudic concept. Brera does not mean alternative as in common Hebrew. It means uh, a, a particular idea that an item of uncertain status at one moment can have its status retroactively fixed by uh, subsequent action. Okay? So, in this particular case, the, uh, the idea is that somebody put their money in a large pot, and we don't know whose is whose, the money is considered fungible, but symbolically at a certain point when, if, let's say, three, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning everybody put their money in, at three o'clock in the morning we hear that, that one of the contributors has died, so at 3.30 in the afternoon we throw four Zuzim out of the pot and say that this belonged to the, to the dead person. Well, it didn't belong to the dead person at 10 in the morning, but this action we took three at three in the afternoon retroactively fixed its status. Uh, there are any number of applications to this principle of Brera, but Rabbi Yehuda, we know this from elsewhere in the Talmud, the tractate Erevin, for example, uh, Rabbi Yehuda does not believe in this concept of 
symbolically retroactively affecting the uh, affecting the status of the item. In this, he is like Albert Einstein, who 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 in a famous case about the uh, you know quantum physics was was dubious at something which I understand to be true that if you if you uh, spin out two particles at the same time neutral neutral charged particles even at very great distance if you subsequently affect the the charge of one even at a very great distance that other charge the other particle will also have its uh, its charge affected Einstein called that spooky action at a distance that's this exactly it's a case of spooky action at a distance the rabbis want not Rabbi Yehuda the rest of the rabbis want to be able to say that the uh, status of the of the coins has been changed. Uh, Rabbi Yehuda doesn't believe that. Okay, end of halakhic issue. The phrase brera ein brera you know yesh brera has its own interesting history. As I mentioned, it's a technical Talmudic phrase, but it it also passed into normal Judaic parlance. And in the 30s, when partition of the land of Israel. Uh, was proposed as a settlement between the Jews and the Palestinians, uh, Ben-Gurion famously said, Ain Brera, we have no choice, we'll accept it, uh, we would prefer that there not be partition, but Ain Brera, we have no alternative, not meaning the Talmudic sense, but he borrowed the Talmudic phrase, and subsequently that's, that's become a very well-known phrase in Israeli political life, there are all kinds of things that we don't want to do, but Ain Brera, there's no choice. I point out also that in the 1970s, there was a American Jewish leftist group that proposed what were at the time very radical ideas. Now they've sort of the end of the mainstream of, of more rapprochement with the Palestinians and negotiations with the PLO. And they called themselves Rap. There is, after all, an alternative. All right. Thanks for learning today with me a little bit of Talmud. Side references to Einstein and politics. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.